Today's episode of Who Weekly is brought to you by The CW. Naomi airs Tuesdays at 9, 8 central, or you can stream free next day on The CW app. You will drain us. Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. Here's a post from Juliana Margulies on Instagram from yesterday, two days ago. Anyway, it's a photo of her television with a forlorn Andrew Garfield. Uh, and the caption is, tick, tick, boom. Just finished watching the heartbreakingly talented at Andrew underscore Garfield underscore official directed by the genius at Lin-Manuel Miranda. What a stunning film. Jonathan Larson's story is just remarkable. This film and his life make you realize how precious time is and not to waste a minute of it. I also have COVID. I'm fine because I am vaccinated, so it just feels like the flu. How lucky we are to have the science that made these vaccinations. Please get vaccinated if you are not. And thank you to the whole cast and crew of hashtag tick tick boom heart. Conflating tick tick boom with your own COVID-19 vaccination is just beautiful. It's just art. It's either brain fog or art. Maybe it's art no matter what. It doesn't matter. You can be brain fog and create beautiful art. She also tagged two fan accounts. Um, at Andrew underscore Garfield underscore official is a fan account with 5,000 followers. And at Lin-Manuel Miranda is a fan account with 256 followers. But that didn't stop Juliana Margulies from tagging both of them. <laughs> I mean, who was she supposed to tag? COVID? Don't think COVID has an Instagram. Anyway, you are listening to Who's There, a weekly call-in show where we take your questions, comments, and concerns at 619-WHO-THEM. Let's start with some comments. Hello, Lindsay and Bobby. Um, feel free to block my number at any time because I call so often. Um, I just paused the pod because you were talking about Jeremy O'Harris and trying to think of um, contemporary, of like, playwrights who are young and cool and as your resident theater loser um the only two people i can think of who might be similar are um michaela cole and phoebe waller bridge who both started out as playwrights and um michaela cole's first show chewing gum was chewing gum dreams which was like a big i think quite successful in the uk and fleabag obviously was a play before it was a tv show and then they just have moved on to writing for the telly, as we call it in Australia. Um, and I guess they're both like hip and cool. This is a kind of rambly call. I'm so sorry. Um, I wish Krishna was out on the town. <laughs> crunch, crunch. What did you say? I wish Kushner was out on the town. Tony Kushner out on the town. He mm-hmm. might be actually. You're just not seeing him. I didn't quite mean the people who transitioned because as you know Mindy Kaling also was a playwright before she was Mindy Kaling she wrote mm-hmm. you know Ben and Matt which was that play that was about Ben Affleck and Matt Damon as fictional characters a lot of people who work in television and film wrote plays before like that wasn't exactly what i meant because it's like i don't want it i don't want the people to be famous after they cross over i want them to be famous while they're still a working playwright so like it's a little bit more just like i understand why you'd cross over because the money is clearly not there so as soon as you'd have a hit like jeremy was like okay bye to theater and I have to get into Hollywood and it obviously helps get you like more of that cachet but kind of what I'm talking about is still having like a foot because you know slave plays on Broadway so like still having a foot in theater and having that 
Man About Town vibe. It's not like Slave Play came to Showtime and then he got famous. Right, yeah. like like Phoebe was already so out of the theater thing when like she became Phoebe in a yeah. way that was like, so that's kind of more of what I meant, which is now even like a harder thought because you'd have to like be a playwright with just your plays being like a man about town versus like having crossed over and like the glamour of Hollywood helping propel you up into that thing. But the fact that Jeremy O'Harris is still kind of more known as a playwright than he is as a TV person, no matter how hard he tries, you know, he's like, I'm on Emily in Paris. I'm on this and that. It's like, that's more what I mean, if that makes sense. And maybe that's why he's such an anomaly. A couple people called, someone said Neil Simon was sort of a man about town. And so was and Arthur, Arthur Miller. Miller. Okay. But okay. even there was a hesitancy in both of their voices that were like, eh, there really is, this is tough. But I think the closest we got is, is Neil Simon. Eh, this is tough. But the closest <laughs> we got is Arthur Miller. So right. yeah, he does seem singular. We need like David Mamet out in the clubs. Like we I do don't think need... anyone needs David Mamet out in the club. <laughs> you want David Mamet in the club? I don't know. I'm just trying to like think of ex- I'll take Tony Kushner in the club. Tony Kushner in the club. I was I watched West Side Story, I told you, and I totally I mean, even though I've heard a million people talk about this, it was not actively in my brain until the movie ended and it goes written by Tony Kushner and I was like, Oh right. <laughs> that happened oh, with yeah. me, but Sondheim. I forgot that Sondheim was part of it. I don't know what I thought who I thought did West Side Story, but the t- two of the best. <laughs> two of the best. Next call. Next call. Dylan Minette. Dylan O'Brien. And Logan Lerman are three separate people? Surely that's not true. It's true. Wait, that's the call? (laughs) That's the call. It's true. I always think about what it must mean. Like, we're doing this activity, but I always think about the casting directors. Like, this really is, like, your job, like, to know the difference between Logan Lerman, Dylan O'Brien, and Dylan Manette. And, like, when somebody's like, we need to fill the role of, like, a... 20 something white guy you're like hmm have you met dylan dylan or logan dylan dylan or logan like i saw a movie with um i watched the tender bar and that stars um oh my god one of these guys no not ben affleck the other the kid there's a kid in it who's like he was ty sheridan ty sheridan so like add him to the list because he's one of these two. You know, it's like, oh, Ty Sheridan. It's like, remember him? He was Ready Player One guy. He was a right. terrible movie. And the Mud right. Boy. The Mud Boy okay. and the Ready Player okay. One Boy. And now he's in the Tender Bar. I'm just mm. saying it's like, it's just another, I'd forgotten he existed. But he definitely is on the short list for like a young white guy in a movie. You know, the guy from Mud? <laughs> You know, the guy from the tender bar. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying to you. When he showed up, I was like, oh. Speaking of four different brunette white boys, imagine the casting director on West Side Story, parentheses 2021. Right. And they have to dance and they have to lip sync. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Um, long time. First time. I'm listening to this episode with the Golden Globes or whatever. It reminded me of the story um, that someone I know told me. They uh, lived nearby to Antony or something, and they got a package one day that was addressed to him, and, like, I guess it's, like, illegal to open people's mail, so maybe you shouldn't post this, but it's still funny. But they got it, and they opened the package, and it was his Emmy, and they had no way to get it back to him because, like, he ignored them on Instagram and everything, you know. She has this in her house. His, it's either his Golden Globe or his Emmy, but, you know, those things happen. They do mail them out, and <laughs> they go missing. Anyway, bye-bye. Wait. There's no identifying information here, uh, so I feel comfortable playing it. But Anthony, 
someone has your Emmy. Don't you want it? <laughs> I was going to say, can like, do we need to start like a campaign to get Anthony his like lost in the mail Emmy or Golden Globe? Did you love the caller was like, or the Golden Globe? I don't know. <laughs> Either one. Doesn't he Have want they, it? Has he won both? I'm surprised he's won either. Okay, but... now that's just rude because clearly he won one. Don't people ask him, where do you keep your whatever award? And he's like, uh, in the bathroom. Well, now it's uh, in a neighbor's house. It's an it's an Emmy. Where is it? It's in a neighbor's house. And the Emmy is so ostentatious. An Oscar is like slim. It has a slim profile. You can put it on a bookshelf. No one's going to see it. An Emmy is this big, pointy thing that takes up a lot of space. Oh, my God. You can't Somebody hide an Emmy. Somebody who listens to this podcast knows Anthony. Be like... Dude, did you know that your neighbor has your Emmy? If we don't have a listener who knows Anthony, we're doing something wrong, <laughs> I think. Um, the funniest thing too is like how funny would it be as a like a gag that you just happen to have Anthony Prowski's Emmy? People come over and they're like, What's that? And you're like, mm, Anthony's Emmy. I think even the person whose job is to prosecute people who open mail because it's a federal crime would laugh oh, and at even that and they, respect. Yeah, it. they would say like this the is attorney hilarious. general would be like, I'm fine with this. <laughs> this is fu- this is funny. What are you supposed to do? It is true. I do think about the idea that it really is hard to contact a celebrity. And it's like, if Mm -hmm. something, if you were to have something very important to tell them, like, you're fucked. I know someone, and so do you, and I won't name names, and they haven't opened the mail, has repeatedly gotten Alec Baldwin's mail. Oh, I know. Multiple times. I know the story. Repeatedly. They have more restraint than this caller. They never open the mail. Yeah, and how are you supposed to get in touch? What was the really funny Anthony headline that we laughed at yesterday? Oh, there it is. It was a tweet that someone, a hooligan, tweeted at us, and it said, hashtag LGBTQ colon Anthony Porowski and Zachary Quinto's exes, Trace Lenhoff and Miles McMillan, are dating each other. And (laughs) And the Twitter image provides a helpful graphic that shows a photo of Zachary Quinto and his ex and Anthony Porowski and his ex with arrows pointing at the new versions of themselves dating each other in the middle. That's something that you would do with the arrows. I feel very much like kindred with that person you really need a visual aid here because all of them look the same okay i didn't click but like is it these like recent exes or are they like far back exes like it's just like a funny you know worldofwonder.net hashtag lgbtq said it seems mcmillan and lenhoff have been together a while after stalking um scanning their instagram feeds Mm. pics of the duo go back over two years and they seem super happy and in love i'm sorry these people have been together two years and you're just figuring out that they each dated somebody famous? Look, I, I don't keep close tabs on these people. I just keep tabs on the Who Weekly Twitter and someone sent us the story from January 12th, 2022 at 6.41 a.m. Imagine writing this at 6.41 a.m. <laughs> now I mean, that I'm thinking I, about it. Imagine I, writing this at 6.41 a.m. <laughs> I'm sorry, but when you get the scoop, you get the scoop. What's the problem? The point of this story is if you or someone you know knows Anthony Porowski and has a direct line to this person. Get him to us. We will connect him with the caller's friend. If you promise not to press charges, we'll get you the Emmy. <laughs> and if you don't promise not to press charges, you're not getting that Emmy. We're not yeah, narcs. We're not, we're not getting this person in trouble for collecting your precious mail and holding it for you. God, I just rewatched a Golden Girls episode where it's not the Golden stupidest. Girls. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna spoil it. But a major character, and it was funny to watch Josh witness this in person. A major character in Golden Girls is revealed to be in the witness protection program, and sure, yes. ha- after many seasons, you realize that they never their name isn't even their real name. They're in the witness protection program, and he reveals 
You know, I talked to the FBI, I named names and I'm in trouble with the mob. And Sophia goes, oh, so you're a snitch. And he goes, no, I'm an informant. And she goes, yes, yeah, snitch in a tie. <laughs> we will not be snitches. But I would love to get Anthony his Emmy back. Of course, this is a service podcast, first and foremost. Next call. Comment. Hi, it's uh, Nick Corrin here from London. Um, my theory is that Ariana DeBose hosting SNL because she was a cast member on Schmigadoon, which was executive produced by Lorne Michaels, and therefore the connection was already there. Uh, yes, it seems the most likely explanation to me. Crunch, crunch. <laughs> Not a Schmigadoon watcher. <laughs> I know all these like Schmigadoon people came out of the woodwork to be like, uh, to say the word Schmigadoon to me. <laughs> Actually, it's Schmigadoon. I was like, people watch Schmigadoon? <laughs> That's the thing, though. It was on Apple Plus, so, like, no one has to watch it. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, it aired, you know? You'll never know how many people watched it. It's just like the morning show. Every time every time I watch something on Apple Plus, this just happened when I watched a swan song. You turn on your Apple Plus app, Apple TV Plus app. You, you click on the thing that you're there to watch. And the moment it starts, I'm always sort of, like, mystified by it. I'm like, I can't believe this is here. No. This right. has been here the whole time? Exactly. The whole time? The whole time? Like, every time I turn on Apple TV+, Plus, I'm shocked that it's been there the whole time. No, and, like, you can't even be mad because you're like, okay, good, Apple's spending, like, you know, 2% of its gajillion dollars on creating, like, artistic content, like, fine by mm-hmm. me in a way. But also, I'm just like, who's paying attention to this? I have an iPhone and I'm not watching any of this stuff, you know? I didn't watch to make a dune but i the connection is that lauren michaels is a producer which is like also mm-hmm. why schmigadoon starred uh what's her face snl star cecily strong and yeah. fred armison right so there was just like a lot of like nbc apple in there saying that's kind of you know it's all in, it's all incest etc okay so that's the show where they show up to the town and everyone sings because they're stuck in a musical theater musical Right? Or something like that? Would it matter if it wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the point is it, Ariana it, DeBose has a direct connection, like a first-hand connection to Lorne Michaels, and that helps explain why she, of all the people in West Side Story, particularly over Rachel Zegler I mean, or whatever, were chosen for this honor. I think that SNL is very interested in like breaking new people as well as uh, encouraging old famous people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I don't think the audience sometimes is like, who is that? It kind of goes against like what they're trying to do, you know? Because mm-hmm. they want, I think they want it to be like a mix of new and old, you yeah. know? There is power in the exposure of S- of SNL. So like, even if you haven't seen or if you're an Oscar voter or whatever voter voting for this, it's like, oh yeah, Ariana, I like her. Like, that's cool. I, saw like, her I think and I happened to that. see her on SNL. Like, I don't, yeah. you know, I just watch it whenever and like, just happened to see her. It was just so funny. I think the other thing is like, as we all know, like not that many people are watching SNL. So like they can take kind of risks at this mm-hmm. point in terms of, you know, they only yeah. get to have like Kim Kardashian once a year or something to have like yeah. incredible ratings. Did you see the SAG nominations? No. The SAG nominations, number one, are so funny. In like, uh, like they're right or they're wrong way. Well, I just want to talk. I mean, I we, this is not an awards podcast, but I want to. I want to read Could you be. one. I want to read you. It sometimes such is. a bad, a bad, terrible awards podcast. I want to read you the um, nominees for outstanding performance by a female actor in a drama series. Okay. Okay. Chong Ho Yun. Okay. Squid Game. Okay. Sure. I'm going to read them out of order so that I get the thing. Okay. Okay. Sarah Snook, Succession. Okay. 
Elizabeth Moss, The Handmaid's Tale, which is like, Always. what? She's been nominated for that role since 1950. Times. And I know the show <laughs> hasn't been on that long, but somehow she has been. Okay. There are two left, Lindsay. Uh-huh. Can you guess who the two remaining outstanding performance by a female Come actor in a drama on. series? What were some great drama series we watched? Uh, Mare. That's a limited series, so Mare's not there. Are you going to tell me that fucking morning show like snuck in here? Yeah. <gasps> in both slots, Lindsay. Jennifer Aniston, <laughs> no, The Morning Show. No, Reese Witherspoon, no, The Morning no. Show. Two of the worst performances I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Not only like the worst performances of their respective careers. And trust me, I've seen basically everything each of them has done. And I can be objectively sure that that is the case. Mm-hmm. But just having two of the, what, five slots. Uh-huh. Yeah, the uh-huh. morning show that they're like the chance, quote unquote, uh-huh. chances of them. I think they'll split the vote so they won't even get it. I pray they split the vote, you know? Uh huh. But as I said, this is not an award show podcast, so I'm not even going to get into the rest of it. Let's do questions, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Two hours ago, Jason Momoa posted that him and Lisa Bonet are separating. Um, I have no words. I am enamored with this man. And I feel like his breakup post is interesting in its poeticism. Also, the imagery on the carousel. I don't know. But um, I'm sure you're getting a lot of calls about this. I feel like I don't even know. I don't even know. Crunch, crunch. The imagery is really funny. It's not in our doc we just have the breakup post so the imagery after the breakup post which is written in that very baffling celeb speak with strange punctuations and strange capitalization choices is um a waning moon a waning crescent moon at dusk Um, the next photo is what looks like art it's like pieces of paper strung up on sticks in a sort of tropical area i'm seeing a lot of you know palms in the background Um, The next photo is a child holding a bird in the palm of their hand. The next photo is another child holding a bird in the palm of their hand. (laughs) That's it. And none of the photos are good, by the way. They're all all quite grainy and bad. But the first image, this is on Jason Momoa's Instagram account. We have all felt the squeeze and changes of these transformational times, dot, dot, dot. A revolution is unfolding, and our family is of no exception, feeling and growing from the seismic shifts occurring. Space, space. (laughs) And so, dash, we share our family news, dash, space, space, that we are parting ways in marriage, period. We share this not because we think it's newsworthy. That Okay, wait, stop. I think that's the most interesting part. That line, we share this not because we think it's newsworthy, but so that as we go about our lives, we may do so with dignity and honesty. That's like kind of a sign of a little bit of a not so broken brain. We know you're going to care. We don't consider it to be something we'd normally share. Otherwise, the only reason we would be sharing it is because Mm. we don't want to be asked about it. So we're putting it out there. Yes. And we're trying to make this as positive as possible. Exactly. Okay. Sorry. Keep reading. And then he says, but so that dash, well, it's actually both of them because it's signed J and L. But so that dash, as we go about our lives, we may do so with dignity and honesty. The love between us carries on, evolving in ways it wishes to be known and lived. We free each other to be who we are, learning to become. Our devotion unwavering to this sacred life and our children, capital C. Teaching our children, capital C, what's possible. Living the prayer. May love prevail. 
capital M, capital L, capital P, uh, twinkling stars emoji, signed J and L, Jason and Lisa. I'm going to agree with what you said, because I do believe that in many instances, this would be a lot of hot air. This is bullshit. But these two never or extremely rarely talk about the details of their relationship. And they have a, like a 14-year track record of doing that. The like hippie dippiness of the entire thing makes it so that like I'm completely unsurprised by this type of wording. Also, mm-hmm. little Vemi, I would say. We're like, we're really, we're kind of reaching into a different territory right now. Because mm-hmm. like I would say feel... Jason Momoa's a them. And Lisa Bonet, you know, it's like she's a little bit more of a nostalgic figure, but she might be a them. I think they're both thems, but I understand why so many people called about this when it happened. Because I think Jason used to be a who. Like in, in very recent history, Jason used to be a who. Like sure. Lisa Bonet hasn't been a them since 1985 or what, hasn't been a who since 1985. Yeah. You know, like. It's also just funny because this is one of those couples where it's like the internet is like, if they break up. I don't believe in love anymore. And like, that's kind of more like more than each of their individual fame. It's more of the like, oh, the fact that these are together is like that they're together is so sweet. And like, they're an unusual couple because Mm -hmm. she's older. He's a little bit younger. Like that is sometimes unusual, unfortunately. And just like his like star rising after hers has kind of faded is like a sweet I don't know, like a, a sweet combo. She's supporting him as he's having this like roller coaster fame experience, right? Yeah. That she had. <laughs> I'm also like just really intrigued by Jason Momoa's career because it must be like his own mentality, but also he must have really good, I don't know if that's managers or agents or whatever, but like the way that they have slowly but steadily increased his fame over like 15 years is i think rare like you would think that like i always think about ryan reynolds where it's like for so many years people kept trying to convince us that he was more famous than he was and eventually it took and i think like with deadpool finally he lucked out and he got a hit because he was flop 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 jason momoa has just like slowly but surely been building his image in hollywood but honestly i feel like when the rock blew up it's like Jason, it's like it made room also for like this mm-hmm. kind of hunk. And Jason Momoa, who is like as funny, as genial, as ripped as the, I just think it was like. Like a ripped man with a sense of humor. Yeah. And kind of just like that, like chill, like, like aloha vibe. I'm doing the hand thing. Mm-hmm. Hang 10. Well, he is from Hawaii. Yeah. Right. Well, I just kind of like, not saying they're like the same guy, but I do feel like, you know, he definitely like especially after Game of Thrones, everybody was picking through who from Game of Thrones. He was in Game of Thrones, right? And he's barely in it too. Like he's not even in that show for a long time. But I'm just saying, picking through like who from Game of Thrones was like that standout who had like a sparkle. Uh Like I think people like gravitated towards him in that show even before he was like, he wasn't even shown that. He wasn't even on it for that long. And the other thing is I feel like, sorry, back to their relationship, the whole Zoe Kravitz of it all, him being like loving stepdad is like, we love like these, we love the like fluidity and fun of like their of of this relationship like Mm -hmm. it's so everything seems so healthy and chill i'm sure it's like years and years of therapy to get to this point but like we have (laughs) yeah but like i think that's what i that's what i mean when, when i talked about ryan reynolds like he at least publicly seems to be lacking in a particular type of thirst that's so off-putting when it comes to celebrities or like this type of a this type of like leading man he seems so chill and like grateful for what he 
has achieved. Whereas people like Ryan Reynolds are so annoying because they always want more. Yeah. Moving on. I guess they're them. We'll never talk about them again. <laughs> We're going to tell you about a new show called Jocular, hosted by ER Fightmaster, whom we've talked about on the podcast before, T.N. Tran and Katie Kershaw. They're comedians, they're writers, and they're also best friends who are obsessed with women's sports. Kind of like I'm becoming obsessed with women's sports. <laughs> you sort are. of. Kind you of. Are. A little you bit. Are. You are. They're exploring all things queer, trans, and women-focused in the world of sports. And in each episode, they'll cover the latest games, debate pressing issues, and review how they're all really horny for basically everyone in the game. This is every time I talk to someone who's a fan of women's sports, like a genuine fan of women's sports, not like a newbie like me. They're like, horny, 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 horny. I'm horny for all of them. I know. They're always crushing on people in the game. But that's why it's like we need a podcast that's not us to kind of tell us what we're supposed to care about, who we're supposed to care about, who's hot and who's sexy and who we're paying attention to. Yes. And that's what Jocular is for. Friends and experts will join to share their takes on sports ranging from women's basketball to soccer to power slapping. I don't even know what power slapping is, but I'm in. So tune in every Friday for new episodes of Jocular on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts now. Springtime vibes are in the air, and when I bring in some beautiful flowers that are blooming, I want to smell them, not the litter box. And I can, thanks to Pretty Litter. I'm going to correct this ad because I didn't bring any flowers in, but you know what I did cook yesterday? A big pot of beans. It smelled delicious in my apartment. It smelled like all the yummy stuff I was cooking, and it didn't smell like cat poo-poo or cat pee-pee because I used Pretty Litter. You're saying springtime vibes are in the air, and when I cook a big pot of beans, <laughs> I'd rather I want to smell beans. them, yes. not the litter box. I'd rather okay, smell beans great. than flour. I'm trying to personalize I don't think it. Pretty Litter would mind you correcting their intro with your own personal endorsement, which is yes. that you want to smell your beans. Yes. Delicious, fragrant beans with bay leaves and garlic and onion. This is all to say that nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odor. It's ultra-absorbent, it's lightweight, it's low dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. So I know that when people come over to my apartment, they're going to be smelling whatever I'm cooking, whatever's in the air, you know, like whatever candle I lit. They're not going to smell what's in the litter box because it soaks it all up. Plus, the crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illness in my cat, like UTIs, kidney issues, and more. So when the colors change, you can tell your vet what happened so they know what to look for. And if that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to my door. I never run out. I don't have kitty litter bags taking up a lot of space in my little apartment. Go to prettylitter.com slash who to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash who to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. Prettylitter.com slash who. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, A new still from the new Jurassic Park movie came out starring Crit Pratt. Um, trying to do like censor that name and DeWanda Wise um, and DeWanda Wise I don't know who she is great name feel like Jurassic Park movie could end up being a them if I mean not if when the movie does really well um, so DeWanda Wise what do we need to know about her thanks Crunchy, crunchy, crunch, crunch. Emily in Paris. Wee. <laughs> okay, excuse me. That's awful. Before, Never. Before we you're banned. Get into, <laughs> before we get into whoever this person is, that sign-off needs to be stricken from the record. <laughs> you're banned. 
Emily in Paris does not get to be a sign-off. Like, absolutely not. Crunchy, crunchy, crunch, not. crunch. Emily in Paris, we Actually, I, now, now that I say it again, now that I say it myself, I'm sort of into this sign-off. Huh. Emily in Paris, we I hate that. I hate Let's that hear so it much. one more time. Let's hear it one I more time. I hate that so much. I hate it. Crunchy, crunchy, crunch, crunch. Emily in Paris, we. <laughs> I like that we is both like we, W-E-E, and also O-U-I. Oh, I didn't even the think of it we- as O-U-I. Because mm-hmm. I don't associate Emily in Paris with French because she doesn't really <laughs> speak it on the show. Did you see that it got two more seasons? We live in hell. My trip to Paris will be delayed till God knows when, but Emily is free to go and come as she pleases. Will they please just deport her? Like, can they, (laughs) can someone reject her visa? Oh, Emily, you're getting more French by the day. Who is this woman? Dewanda Wise is the star of She's Gotta Have It. That's the main thing. Huge Netflix pedigree. I did Huge Netflix pedigree, okay? Mm-hmm. We may have mentioned this. We may have actually skipped it because it involved Brie Larson. Who's a them? No, she's not a who or a them. She's her own thing. She's larceny. Remember? She's larceny. Because she behaves so who but she is, I think, objectively a them. We can't even categorize her because she's so larceny. Meanwhile, she's back on YouTube, which is uh, our algorithm has just gone through the roof in the larceny. We thought it had settled. We said, okay, she's them. She quit the YouTube, but she's back. Dewanda Wise. So I think this is a a Netflix situation. Here's a headline from March 2018. Quote, I felt pretty devastated. DeWanda Wise on dropping out of Captain Marvel over, quote, scheduling conflicts with hit Netflix series, She's Gotta Have It. Okay. What does hit mean when it's on Netflix? We don't know. She didn't choose. She's gotta have it over. I don't think she chose, Lindsay. I think she Uh, was contractually obligated to film her uh, next season of She's Gotta Have It, even though she was cast. In the Marvel Universe. Oh, my God. that's And she had to say no because of She's Gotta Have It. Bobby put this here, but it's very congrats on your renewal. Great news response from Constance Wu. No, it's not. (laughs) No, it's not. I think it's exactly the same thing. Because her full quote, quote, when it happened, she goes, it's true. (laughs) I will no longer be in Captain Marvel because of the schedule conflicts with season two of She's Gotta Have It. Last week, I felt pretty devastated. This week is leaps and bounds better, which is a much more eloquent and um, generous way to respond to this news as opposed to, no, it's not. It's sort of tarnished her career. Well, yeah, well, I was going to say, whatever happens with her career, we'll always have, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Did it tarnish her career? You really think that? Or you think it was just like timing? Where is Constance Wu? Great. Good question. Because like since Hustlers, what she was great in, it hasn't been. But every but Jennifer Lopez got all of the chatter about Hustlers. Sure, but she, you know? I'm just saying she was in this big movie that everybody talked about. and then And then what? And then she's in crazy rich asians and it's like wow she's leading a movie and everyone's yeah. like who's Gemma chan <laughs> tell me right, more about Gemma chan right that's you're so right Gemma chan's in it for 30 seconds <laughs> yeah and the leading and if, man tell me more yeah, yeah. Ooh, and who's henry yeah. who's Gemma? Right. um so anyway back to dewanda wise so after she's gotta have it she was also in during this run in someone great another netflix property okay then she's in The Harder They Fall, which is a movie that came out this year on Netflix. Fatherhood, the Kevin Hart movie, which is apparently a big hit. But again, what does that mean in Netflix? Mm-hmm. So she's finally, this is why this is notable to me. It seems like she's finally been released from like, I don't know, whatever contractual obligations or like uh, informal pressure she had to do stuff for Netflix. She's finally doing something else, and that is Jurassic World Dominion. And so to me, I'm sort of like, this seems like a consolation prize after being unable to join the Marvel Universe. She's like, I'm here. 
Uh, yeah. Consolation prize seems like an amazing prize. Millions and millions of dollars worth of a prize. It's an amazing prize. But th- she was revealed as the new co-star of this movie in a publicity photo that was released this year. So Bryce Dallas Howard in Nude Pumps No More? <laughs> Did she die in the I last mean, one? What happened to her? I don't really remember the last one. I, I never just saw that it. The, the last one ends with, oh, you never saw it? No. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. No, I never saw it. There's so much of the second Jurassic World movie is about the ethics of cloning. So there's a clone girl well, in you it. No. <laughs> Don't make me say it. Don't make me Lindsay. say multiplicity. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me you say love multiplicity and you've never seen Jurassic World. Don't uh, act like Fallen Jurassic Kingdom. World 2 or whatever would replace my clone referencing multiplicity. Okay, well, there's a clone girl in Jurassic World clone girl. Uh, Fallen Kingdom that is, it's one of the funniest and wildest subplots I've seen in like a big budget, like Hollywood <sighs> okay, blockbuster in a long it. time. But it's also about dinosaur auctioning. They want to buy dinosaurs? Yeah. Seems unwise, but best of luck. I feel like it's been years so I can spoil this, but the movie ends with all the dinosaurs getting out. I literally just told you that I hadn't seen it and you spoiled it, but I will yeah. say that's the least surprising thing I've ever heard about a Jurassic Park movie. You're telling me the animals get out? <laughs> literally, that's the plot. Lindsay, do you know why they get out? Why? Because the Wait, clone stop, girl... Stop, stop, stop. You have to say there's a spoiler going to happen. There's a then. spoiler. Skip ahead 10 seconds. The dinosaurs get out because the clone girl feels sorry for the clones and wants them to escape. Oh, it's about clone empathy. Yes, it's about clone empathy. So the clone girl says, your clone's just like me, and then says, like, fuck the world here, let's release them. And says, them. genie, you're free, and then sets oh God, them free. genie, you're free. And so Jurassic World Dominion is about, oh, no, the dinosaurs are all over the world, and we got to get rid of these dinosaurs. So he entered DeWanda Wise. Wait, 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 it ends with that. So now we're starting the movie with the dinosaurs just let out, all these dinosaur clones? Oh, yeah, they're all over the place. Oh, They're God. everywhere. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. We need Dewanda Wise and to a lesser extent Chris Pratt to wrangle up these dinosaurs, I'm assuming is what this third one's about. The person called, who is she? Like, where did she come from? She went to NYU, oh, like you, along with Gina Rodriguez, okay? Uh-huh. Gina Rodriguez, they both went to Tish. Yes, I've heard of it. So did many of my roommates. Yes, <laughs> Gina Rodriguez. To my dismay. Gina Rodriguez becomes famous fairly quickly after that. Yeah. She does not. But she is constantly working. One of her first movies is in the short movie Pariah. Remember the movie Pariah? No. Before the movie Pariah came out about the lesbian, it was a short film. D. Reese, that's why D. Reese is famous. She was in that, the short film, but she wasn't in the full length one. Before she was on She's Gotta Have It, she was on Underground, which was sort of a show that I had a lot of- I remember that. It had a lot of attention, but it didn't last long. And Mm -hmm. Journey got way more attention on that show than anyone else. Journey Smollett was the main star of that show. Yes, of course. But then we go into the Netflix era. Now that she's getting out of Netflix, she's getting attention, which is sort of fascinating to me. The kind of golden prison that is Netflix, right? You're getting money. You're getting work. You're getting a lot of stuff on your resume. You're getting leading roles. But it's like, still, she gets cast in Jurassic World Dominion and people are saying, who is this? I think it just says so much about like the state of Netflix at this point, where like you can be a repertory player in Netflix and you're in all these fucking things. And mm-hmm. still, when you're mm-hmm. announced as the lead of a big movie, no one knows who you are. Uh-huh. That's surprising to me. And I feel like that says a lot about Netflix. Anyway, her True. next show is um, on Showtime. Did you read that book, Three Women? Mm-hmm. she's one of the three women in oh. the Showtime adaptation of Three Women. Okay. And do you know who the other two women are? No. They are Betty Gilpin. 
Oh. Speaking of I Escape Netflix and Gabrielle Creevy, who's Welsh. Didn't really recognize her. Okay. The woman who's playing the Lisa Tadeo character as the writer who's writing their stories is Shailene Woodley. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just like, sounds great. I'm, I Jurassic World, se- the Jurassic Park one seems great. The rest, you can't stop great. thinking about Jurassic Park. I'm just saying, like, I, that's to me, like, three women on Showtime. Okay, best of luck. I'm sure it'll be great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I just want to point out, I did look up what Constance Wu was up to. She's going to be starring in the uh, much discussed adaptation of the children's book Lyle Lyle Crocodile alongside <laughs> Javier Bardem, <laughs> Brett Gelman, and the one and only Scoot McNary. Okay, bitch. So let's just lay off. I'm sorry. This is so funny. A feature film based on the children's book about a crocodile that lives in New York City starring yes. Constance Wu and Javier Bardem. It's like, what do we do with this information? <laughs> I, I tell it to you and you laugh. That's it. Hey, Lindsay Bobby. Long time, long time. Uh, we need to talk about Molly May's Twitter scandal. Um, our favorite Love Island contestant. I don't know if you've seen this, but she went viral this week. Uh, basically, she gave an interview saying that she recognizes she has some privilege, but that Everyone has the same 24 hours a day, and everyone can succeed, and, you know, people shouldn't criticize her for, I guess, being rich and beautiful, I don't know. Um, basically a very, like, pull yourself up by the own bootstrap classic capitalist narrative. But, yeah, Twitter really dragged her for it, and she's just been getting a lot of heat. Um, yeah, let's talk about it. Okay, <laughs> crunch, crunch, bye. I will never tire of Molly Mae scandals. Like, I hope that, like, as long as I do this podcast, she continues to do weird things because they're never bad enough to be anything a problem. Like, she skirts the line of actually offending. Do you know what I mean? Like, dropping the bag down the stairs, saying that Italy's ice cream, Italy's food tastes like garbage. Love those things. Those are hilarious. What was the actual Italy line? Grim. (laughs) Actually shocking and grim is how she described Italian food in Italy. Actually shocking and grim. Also, she may have had COVID as we like surmised. Right, right, right. (laughs) Now she's back with a new scandal. Like, honestly, I feel like Molly May Haig has to like star in the new season of Scandal, but it's just about her like saying stupid shit. So here's the Us Weekly headline that tries to sum it up. Love Island's Molly May Haig apologizes after receiving backlash for, quote, misunderstood comments about poverty. So she did this on the podcast Diary of a CEO with Stephen Bartlett. Stephen Bartlett is that young entrepreneur who started some British social media company called like Social Chain. And now he's one of the dragons on Dragon's Den. He's like the youngest dragon on Dragon's Den, which is the is show Dragon's that Den? it's the show that inspired Shark Tank. It's the UK version of Shark Tank. But in the UK, they're dragons. And in the United States, they're sharks. Mm. And he has this podcast. We've talked about this podcast before because Liam Payne went on this podcast and explained that he had broken up with Maya right. Henry. Okay. By the way, they're, they're back friends. together. They're back together. So she goes on this podcast and she's talking about her life as an influencer and um, she says what she says. And I just think like you, you're given one life and it's down to you what you do with it. Like you can literally go in any direction. And when I've spoken about that before in the past, I have been slammed a little bit with people saying, you know, like it's easy for you to say that, you know, you've grown up and you've not grown up in poverty. You've not grown up, you know, with major money struggles. So if you to sit there and say that we all have the t- same 24 hours in a day, it's not correct. And I'm like, but 
technically what I'm saying is correct. We, we do. So I understand that obviously we all have different backgrounds and we're all raised in different ways and we do have different financial situations. But I think if you want something enough, you can achieve it. And it just depends to what lengths you want to go to get where you want to be in the future. And I'll go to any length. Like I, I've worked my absolute ass off to get where I am now. After she gets in trouble for saying what she said, Stephen goes on Twitter and says, Molly Mae did an interview on my podcast. Yesterday, a soundbite from the interview went viral. She trended number one on Twitter. Every newspaper covered it and MPs weighed in. I've had male guests say what she said. No one cared. But when Molly says it, she's crucified? Crazy. If I interview a man, he can brag about money, take full credit for his success, and talk about his cars. If I interview a successful woman, she's got to tiptoe around her success and watch her words? Question mark. And it's like... He's turning this into this like feminist issue, which is like in a way noble of him, but also what it's completely ignoring what she said. And the caller brings this up. So it's not that she said, shamelessly said, you know what? I hustle and I work and I'm rich and I'm proud because that's its own thing. She actually acknowledges the fact that people are offended when you say I have the same 24 hours a day as anyone else because People don't because of, you know, for privilege or I'm busy. I don't have the resources to use those 24 hours of the of the day the way you use those 24 hours of the day. She acknowledges that and then says that those people are liars. It's worse than a normal person just like ignorantly talking about using the 24 hours a day. I'm just, so, I'm sorry though, just to interrupt you. If you're list, if you're taking Molly Mae seriously and trying to replicate her success, the woman went on a reality show. Like, what are you, that's how, if that's how, you, like, it's amazing to me that people People are even taking her seriously and getting right. mad at her for saying something like I, like I, that's what's crazy to me. Mm -hmm. What she said is hilarious because it really is the essence of what every type of influencer says incorrectly, which is that I just work really hard. It's like you do you you know like you do, like is that that is definitely not it. Do you know what I mean? Who was the God? What's her name? Girl, wash your face. Who was like me and Harriet Tubman Rachel, have a lot in common. Rachel Hollis. Right. Rachel Hollis and Molly May both fucked up and then doubled down on the fuck up like they were proud of how ignorant they were what's backfiring on these people which i think is so funny is this like old school like inspirational speak it's like what you're told to say mm -hmm. this is not what you say anymore right like we're in a new era of like understanding what privilege means in a new complicated way it's not mm -hmm. easy to understand like privilege and how it affects you right yeah you can only see out of your own brain like it's hard to see the 360 of like your experience yeah. right so like that is something that's really hard to consider these people are saying like the vintage thing of what you used to say which is like you get up you, pu you pull yourself up by your bootstraps <laughs> and you go about your day and you work hard and you make money you make on money. the internet and it's like <laughs> It's just so funny because it's like so funny and vintage and just like a misunderstanding. And also just like this guy having her on her podcast, expecting this like genius answer <laughs> from this woman who really did just go on like a dating reality show. Right. And then throw her Chanel bag down the stairs. Like, I don't know what to tell you. A reality show about hot people. And that's exclusively why she is famous. That's yeah. it. I think that this controversy would have probably still happened to a lesser extent. The, the problem with this is that she didn't just say something ignorant. She said the full story. She like acknowledged right. the haters and then said the haters are wrong. Like she right, acknowledged the context. Right. She's saying the like feedback that you would get after you apologized <laughs> before. To me, that's the thing that is so irritating about this. It's like, no, you have all of the information. Like you can't even plead ignorance here. 
And then she apologized. I wanted to come back online today as normal, but I feel like before I do, I just wanted to say this. Sorry, that's a mouthful. (laughs) When I say or post anything online, it is never with malice or ill intent. (laughs) I completely appreciate that things affect different people in different ways. However, I just want to stress that I would never intend to hurt or upset anyone by anything that I do. I'm sorry, but the phrasing of that is so wild. It's Mm -hmm. like, who... Who comes on, who wants to hurt people? Nobody wants to come online and offend or hurt Mm -hmm. people. Nobody wants to get yelled at by the internet. Okay. I apologize to the people that have been affected negatively or misunderstood the meaning of what I said. Still digging in to that, by the way. The intentions of the podcast were only ever to tell my story and inspire from my own experience, which is insane. So you too can go on Love Island and then continue to make money off of that because people liked your personality on that reality show. Mm -hmm. And you're pretty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I apologize to the people that have been affected negatively. (laughs) Also, let's just take a total step back. This this dragon, sorry, like it's just funny to me that it's dragon. This dragon asking Molly Mae, quote unquote, how she does it. Who can even follow these steps? This is not applicable to anyone's life. Not there's maybe fifty people that this could apply to. Maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Um. Okay. Let's move on. Hi, Lindsay, Bobby. Um. Y'all were talking about Chanel Amon and Sterling Shepard a few weeks ago, and news has just broken that Sterling Shepard has moved on with none other than Mary J. Blige. Kind of surprised by this because he's like, well, I don't know, that this doesn't mean anything, but he's not a very good wide receiver, but I guess he's very good at dating Mary J. Blige. So, crunch, crunch. We talked about Sterling and Chanel a few weeks ago when it was rumored that they were probably broken up. This is so fascinating because it was like, we were like, are they still together? It's unclear via like everybody. And then somebody called and was like, they're not like, da, 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 da. and now it's like, not only are they not, he's literally moved on. Are they still married though? Well, right after we said this, they filed for divorce right after we talked oh. about it and that when a, when a caller called in and said, it's pretty obvious if you follow both of them that they're split up, but they're still co-parenting. Not long after that episode, it was actually just last week, they officially announced that they were divorcing and Us Weekly got an exclusive. Chanel Amon and Sterling Shepard split, filed for divorce after nearly four years of marriage. They want to, quote, remain civil. And they got a source quote that said they are going to try and remain civil and friendly towards each other. One week after that, we get this headline on page six. No, excuse me, five days after that. We get this headline on page six. Sterling Shepard parties with Mary J. Blige amid divorce from Chanel Amon, which is like a crazy upgrade, especially because this guy was was did not exist outside of the sports sphere until like this week. You know? No, he definitely upgraded <laughs> in my mind. It's unclear whether or not they're dating but mary j blige's birthday was last week so she had a big birthday party and he was there and there are photos of them like together they're not even canoodling is the thing but it's fun to say oh wow they're dating because of the narrative that existed before this and also like it's fun to say mary j blige who i think turned 51 is like you know being seen out in the town with the hot younger guy mm-hmm no, I, I fucking love it. We don't have confirmation that they are dating, though. Well, we have, you know, reports that are believable, mm-hmm. like from what's this website? <laughs> well, from some website. Uh, page six. Okay, page all six. All the reports them. come from page six. Yeah, because the party was in New York City. 
that actually kind of doesn't mean anything, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't it yeah. doesn't mean anything. And the photos mm-hmm. aren't even like too affectionate either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh God. They weren't at Mary's birthday party. It was right before Mary's birthday. They were at Mary's stylist's birthday party, Nisa Hilton. He's 28. How old is Mary? 51. <laughs> stunning. I know that's a double standard, but I still find it stunning. Sorry. We're all adults. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. Uh, I was re-watching the Scream movies to get ready for the new one. And I was thinking about the absurdity of the intros of these movies. So I was hoping you could do a who to them of the people that are in them. Of course, the iconic Drew Barrymore of the Drew Barrymore show. Jada Pinkett Smith and Omar Epps. And then, hold on, I have the other ones. I wrote them down because I figured if I wrote them down, you'd be more likely to answer. <laughs> uh, Naomi Watts' ex, Leah Schreiber, Kelly Rutherford, uh, Serena Vanderbilt's mom, Lucy Hale, I hear she's great in the room, uh, Sheena Grimes Beach, uh, famous landlord Kristen Bell, Academy Award winner Anna Paquin, Amy Garden and Britt Robertson. Uh, you can let me know who did them. Thank you so much. Crunch, crunch. These are the people who die in the opening scenes of the first four Scream movies. This is in honor of the new Scream coming out this week. Okay. Drew Barrymore, Jada Pinkett uh-huh. Smith, Omar uh-huh. Epps, Leif Schreiber, Kelly Rutherford, Lucy Hale, Sheena Grimes Beach, Kristen Bell, Anna Paquin, Amy Teagarden, Britt Robertson. Okay, let's oh put Shanae at the God. bottom. Then Amy Teagarden. Then we got to go up to Britt Robertson. We got to. Not quite at the bottom, but not too far from it. That's kind of Britt Robertson's entire career. Mm, she's she's kind of at the bottom. We've done Shanae. We've done Amy. We've done Britt. Now we have mm-hmm. left Anna Paquin, Kristen Bell, Lucy Hill, Kelly Rutherford, Leave Schreiber, Omar Epps, Jada Pickett-Smith, and Drew. What's next up after Britt Robertson? Kelly Rutherford or Lucy Hale? Let's be honest. It's one of them. You're gonna put you're gonna put Kel- Kelly Rutherford above, I guess her drama. Mm, you're putting her above Britt Robinson. Kelly Rutherford, yeah. Okay. Kelly Rutherford's been in so much more. Okay. Original Gossip Girl, you know. Yeah. Okay, name something else. Yeah. Okay. Her big custody battle. Remember her whole thing about having to go. Oh, I have to go sure. back to Italy. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Okay. <laughs> or whatever. Okay. I feel like we was it Italy or France? That, yes. Was it Italy or yeah, France? It was. It was France, I think. So Kelly Rutherford, then Lucy Hale, or Lucy Hale, then Kelly Rutherford, though? That's the question. Lucy Hale's above Kelly Rutherford, 100%. That, she's, every time she's cast, she gets a whole thing. Shanae Grimes-Beach, Amy Teagarden, Britt Robertson, Kelly Rutherford, Lucy Hale, I'm going to go Omar Epps, Anna Paquin, uh, no, Omar Epps, Leave Schreiber, Anna Paquin, Kristen Bell. I would flip Leave Schreiber and Anna Paquin. So Omar Epps, Anna Paquin, Leave Schreiber, Kristen Bell. Yes. Then we have only two left, Jada Pinkett Smith and Drew Barrymore. And those are very equal. I'd say Jada then Drew's at top because of talk show. They both have talk shows. <laughs> Okay, but but Drew's is on TV, TV. They're millimeters apart. And she does apart. it every single day. They're, They're millimeters, millimeters apart. apart. And they both have like the history 
it's even hard to say. And they've both had the relationships that like, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Maybe yeah. Jada above, the families because mm, of Will and uh. Oh my God. That's one of the top. This is Drew, Drew Barrymore <laughs> and Jada Pinkett Smith are just about as close as two people get with regard to fame level. But you That's know what? Drew has, Drew has longer. Eh, Drew was a child star. Eh, Drew was an ET. No, Drew gets You're number give one. You're going to to Drew? You're yeah. To Drew? I mean, she comes from, a, from an acting dynasty. Not again. We get, it's a little bit of nepotism. Jada created what a dynasty. Drew comes from one. We have to see through how many generations it goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's do this one more time. Sinead Grimes Beach. Uh-huh. Amy Teagarden. Britt Robertson. Kelly Rutherford. Uh-huh. Lucy Hale. Omar Epps, uh-huh. Anna Paquin, Leave Schreiber, Kristen Bell, Jada Pinkett Smith, Drew Barrymore. Those are the people who die in the opening scenes of Scream movies one through four. Who to them? <laughs> also, oh my to God. give in the context of this la- ranking, Drew is number one because Drew was the OG stunt cast. Kid. No one expected like, her to die. They were like, "This is a huge star. We're going to put her in the center of the poster and then kill her." And that was the stunt. Like uh-huh. Jada didn't get that stunt. You know, yeah. we knew Jada was going to die the moment she showed up at the beginning and said, "I want to go to the Sandra Bullock movie." And then Omar <laughs> Epps is like, "No, we're going to watch Stab." And Jada Pinkett Smith's like, "I'm." And then she's like, "This sucks." And then she goes and orders a Diet Pepsi. Next time you watch Scream Two, pay attention to the way Jada Pinkett Smith orders a Diet pepsi it's iconic it's so good okay you need to put a clip no it's one's gonna such a good delivery i this love way. this delivery all right, okay. all right all right hi um can i have a medium popcorn no butter and a small diet pepsi you got it Thanks. that's it next call hey Lindsay and bobby um long time long time question on um the college football uh, halftime show. I did not watch the championship game because I don't care. But, uh, apparently Katy Perry and someone named Alesso performed. And two questions here. One, who is Alesso? I've literally never heard of this person. I think it's a person and not a band. Um, and two, is Katy Perry still a them? Like, the Gen Z Karen know about her. This feels just like a real downgrade for her from doing the Super Bowl. So, I don't know. I feel like she hasn't been doing anything lately. And I know she had a baby, I think. I don't know. Just wondering, is Katy Perry still a them or is she um, losing some of her them status? Okay, that's all. Crunch, crunch. Girl, Josie girls. Katy Perry died for our sins. She um, she literally went into a toilet and emerged from a toilet in Vegas with a turd uh, and sang for you. And you are having the gall to call her a who? I wasn't sure if you meant the toilet literally as in the Vegas toilet or uh, the Witness Worldwide House. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's she no did die. in she that died bathroom. For there. She died for our sins there. <laughs> She died for our sins. She's a them. Are you out of your mind? Are you out of your fucking mind? Get the fuck. If you think Katy Perry's a who, don't listen to this show anymore. Get oh my the God, fuck don't out of say, here. Okay, don't say that. We don't care. No, listen, listen to the show. Listen to the show. Listen to the show. Alesso, however, despite his robust discography, 
I forgot who this man was until it was like, oh, Alessa released a song with Katy Perry. And I was like, oh, right. He's the other one. He's one of those other like well, European he's like a vintage vibe. Like that song, that Katy Perry song, as much as we love her and she's a them. That song is straight out of 2011. It's from it's 2011, like, which is when he got a start. Yeah, right. So he's very much like one of those DJs that pairs up with pop singers and like released a bunch of songs, right? Like that's the thing. He released songs that are not, how do we say, they're not iconic. He's the Swedish DJ in the traditional sense and that they don't really have a personality when they leave the booth behind. No, you know, like when he leaves his little table with little knobs, he doesn't have an identity really. Like he, Well, he's and, also like a producer um, DJ, one of yeah. those types. So it's like... He's also like he writing the beats that mm-hmm. then people go on and or write the sounds and all the sounds mm-hmm. sound the same. All the sounds are from like 2011, that party where Paris Hilton sprays a bunch of foam, like foam party, you know? I think his biggest song, um, which is the first thing I thought of, and I think looking here, it's one of the biggest chart toppers. Oh, it's the biggest selling one. Yeah. The Tovlo version of Heroes. I can't even hear that in my head. And his job in the music video and all publicity photos is to just like walk and stare and just like look severe. Oh, I know this song. Okay, fine. I got it. This is so bleak. When I'm Gone, the Katy Perry song, a.k.a. Wig, it peaked at number seven on the bubbling under 100. It didn't even premiere on the 100. I think it's it's a grower. It's a grower, not a shower. I don't um, think it wig, is. <laughs> wig. I think wi- I, I'm expecting big things from wig from I when don't I'm think gone. It is. Oh, do, I ha- I mean, Lindsay, if I don't expect big things from wig, like what do I have? <laughs> I have to what expect do I have? it. I have to what expect it. What do I have? It. That's not wig. That's W D I H. If I don't expect big things from wig, W D I H. What do we have? Oh, it was number five in New Zealand. And it's number seven okay. in the U.S. bubbling under Hot 100. It's bubbling right under. That's so rude. The bubbling it's under Hot 100. Thing. If you're number seven bubbling under Hot 100, doesn't that just mean you're 107? <laughs> yes, you can't bubble under the 100. The list is 100 things long. If you're under it, I'm sorry, babe. Like, you don't get to be on the list. The chart lists the top songs that have not yet charted. <laughs> what? <laughs> We are in consolation prize territory here, you know, and we're adults, so we don't need to give consolation prizes anymore. They've been doing this since 1959, the bubbling under? No. (laughs) How have I never thought to actually, I've never actually taken the time to consider the fact that the bubbling under is bullshit. Fuck that. You're 101. You're not bubbling under number one. Tell that to Katy Perry. Go knock on her toilet. Get in, get in there and tell her. She's in there. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Is Che Diaz a who or a them? French, French. This is not the Patreon. We usually talk about Che Diaz exclusively on the Patreon. <laughs> hey, it's Che Diaz. No, the question is, is Che Diaz a who or a them like within the world of yeah. just like that? Yeah. Like that's the question. Oh my God, that's the first time I've ever got the name right. Just thinking of it. And just like that, yeah. Is Che Diaz a who or a them? This is hard because is Carrie Bradshaw who are them within the world of just like that? This is like a hard thought process because they really do give lots of signifiers against her being a them, even though like everything is set up for her to be known. I think Carrie Bradshaw was a them in 2004, like in an American in Paris 
part two, I think Carrie was close to a themmy like writer. And now she's kind of a has been who. Yeah. I think it's like who wrote like a, a book of essays and who wrote a book of essays 15 years ago that was really popular 15 years ago, but they didn't really do anything after that. Like that's kind of totally right. Totally. But um and I think that's proven in the show because like the guy that she dates in spoiler, she goes on a date in the most recent episode and like there's no acknowledgement that he recognizes her at all. You know, like Right. And he would be the right and he'd age. He'd be the right her. age. Yeah. Yeah. But they're still they're still selling her uh date with Carrie Bradshaw at the auction and that's worth mm-hmm. money. And her book, her follow up to Sex and the City is is a big deal, but that's also because it's been so long since her last book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um Che Diaz, I think, has a direct parallel in the real world, and I think that parallel is Hannah Gadsby, in that they're doing like political humor and humor about like sexuality and gender but Che is explicitly being like I fuck 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 and I smoke weed Hannah Gadsby was doing more comedy well, based Che around Diaz the- has a little bit of a Sandra Bernhardt vibe that Hannah Gadsby doesn't have mm-hmm. okay yeah and that's yeah, like yeah, a, almost yeah. a vintage reference Sandra Bernhardt um, meets but I think, Hannah Gadsby <laughs> I do think Che Diaz would be like a them in like the queer community in New York though because it seems like Che Diaz like is like everywhere and knows everyone I think Che is absolutely a New York them but I think Che's Netflix special, which they keep talking about <laughs> in the show, I think that Che's Netflix special is making them a, like, who. Nationally, Che is a who, but I think in New York City, Che is a them. Okay, cool. Hey, it's Che Diaz. We are ending hey. this episode. <laughs> hey, it's Che Diaz. Hey, it's Che Diaz. Thank you for listening to an episode of Who's There. Call in at 619 who that believe questions, comments, and concerns. Um, support us on patreon.com slash who weekly for bonus episodes and more, including a Discord channel. Thank you to Katie and Eric of the Who's for providing our theme song. Thank you to Timmy, our research and editorial assistant for researching and assisting um, and editorializing. And rate and reviews on Apple Podcasts, please. We love your ratings and reviewings. We'll see you on Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Crunchy, crunchy, crunch, crunch. Emily and Paris, we. Who do you think you are? Running around leaving scars. Collecting your jar of farts. And selling NFT art. You're gonna catch heart attack symptoms from the gas inside your digestive system. So don't go eat those beans. Who do you think you are? Crunch, crunch. Who do you think you are? Running around leaving scars. Selling your jars of farts. Tearing love apart. Crunch, crunch. Hi. Uh, sorry about this. So who do you think you are? 90 Day Fiance star Collecting your star of farts And tearing yourself apart You're gonna catch a heart attack From the gas inside your stomach Crunch, crunch Hey, who weekly? Uh, long time, long time. I'm calling in because I am actually an olfactory scientist, and I have some information that might be useful regarding fart jars. Um, the, the, the way we smell is that we have receptors in our neurons that allow us to bond with spe- specific molecules that get released into the air, and some of them are more volatile than others. So, for example, the sulfurous 
um, molecules that come from a fart are Okay, guys, I'm totally just making this up. I'm just a stupid person who likes celebrities and thinks that probably people just want a jar with their butt on it. All right, good form. Bella Um, I would smuggle drugs for Alexandra Daddario. Crunch, crunch. Today's episode of Who Weekly is brought to you by The CW. Naomi airs Tuesdays at 9, 8 central, or you can stream free next day on The CW app.